Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Are you ready for the word this morning? If you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 2. I feel like I got a word for you today to encourage you and to help you. Now, I am a pastor. I'm not a prophet. So uh, I'm good at encouraging people and exhorting people. And I believe some of that was an impartation from my mother, who I'm like a lot. Uh, I used to not like people to say that I was like her a lot. (laughs) But now I appreciate that they say that I was like her a lot because of her encouragement and her exhortation. And I have that gift as well as a pastor. So I'm going to preach to you a message today that I shared to our church family uh, several months ago. And we're going to start in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Now, I use the screen a lot when I preach. So if you just want to take notes, it's fine with me. So Acts 2, verse 17, very familiar verse to all of us in here because we're spirit-filled people, Pentecostal people. And this is what it says in Acts 2, 17. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Verse 18, and in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And they will prophesy. So today I want to take you to uh, this message I shared a few months ago, but I feel like it's for us today. And it's talking about, I want to talk today about dreams to reality dreams to reality. Now, as we start into this message, I just want to say a couple things to kind of lay the groundwork for today. Um, I preached this message to our church because I realized several months ago, I could just feel discouragement on people. And uh, I know if you have half a spiritual sense, you can understand why people feel the way they do right now. And even pastors do. Out of COVID for a couple years and all the tension there, and then you got financial issues, you got racial issues, you got political issues, and it's like everybody's just getting their butt whooped right now for years. And it's like for for anybody in the natural, you feel that. I don't care how spiritual you are, you feel that pressure. You you feel like what the Bible says that in the last days there'll be stressful times, perilous times, times that that you can feel that. Tension, And so I preached this message because I felt like God was trying to encourage our church family. But I feel like it would encourage a lot of you today, especially you pastors and ministers here. And I, I preached this message because I could feel that. And I felt like they needed some hope and they needed some encouragement because many people had dropped their hope and dropped their believing in what God could do based off the past few years. It kind of knocked a lot of the hope out of people. Now, this is an interesting stat that... uh I believe it was the Barner Research Group or, or one of those groups uh, similar to that did this study. And they said in 2022, after the past few years, 42% of pastors feel like they want to quit. 42%. Now, y'all don't have to raise your hand, but that's almost half of you. Because of everything they went through. And if the pastors and leaders and ministers feel that way, guess what your church feels like? If 42% feel like, 
I'm just done. Like, I, I still love Jesus. I still love the church. But, man, this COVID thing, are you, are you, do you have a mask? Do you not have a mask? Are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? You, you talk too much about racial stuff. You didn't talk enough about racial stuff. What about the financial situation? Are you team Trump? Are you team Biden? It's like, I don't know. I'm just here to preach, guys. <laughs> Can we just preach the Bible and forget about the petty stuff? Because that's what we're called to do anyway. So the reason I'm bringing that up is 42% of people, and I know we're all faith people here, so none of you would admit that you're that 42%. But some of you probably are. If 42% of pastors feel like they want to quit in 2022 because of everything that's happened, you can imagine how your church people feel. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of pastors and leaders and even church people have lost their hope. Now, when I'm going to preach this message and try to encourage you, but before we go into this, let me just add this into this message. Don't tune me out because I, I know where I'm going today. Some of you are going to be like, ah, pastor, don't get my hopes up. Because especially with preachers, we know how that is. And I say this to our church family all the time. This is not preacher talk. Do you know what preacher talk is? Preacher talk is like the pastor gets up, he gets you excited. He says like, you go get out of debt. You go get married next week. You go get a Bentley. And it's like, now did God really say that? Or are you just getting people hyped up and then they leave? And then next week they're discouraged and depressed and disappointed because you just hyped them up. And that's preacher talk. But you didn't really give them any substance. So before we go into this message, don't tune me out just because I'm going to try to encourage you. And get your hopes up because that's where your hopes need to be. Not in hype, but in real biblical hope and confident expectation of what God can do in your life. So, so before we go there, don't say like, yeah, I've heard that, Pastor. You know, don't, don't try to. I, I realize, you know, life's really not like that. Don't get my hopes up. No, we need to get our hopes up. But realize when we preach biblical hope, that's not hype. So. Would you at least consider, could, could we at least get an agreement, you'll consider being encouraged during the service today? Would you consider it? That you would allow yourself to be exhorted this morning about hope in your life? Okay. So I was preaching about the Holy Spirit at our church because we are a spirit-filled church, and I was talking about all the basics about, you know, being spirit-filled, praying in tongues, spiritual gifts, all this stuff. And then this passage like jumped out to me because I'd never like really considered it before about Acts 2, 17 and 18, where it says that when the spirit of God is poured out, it says that you will have visions and dreams. You will have visions and dreams. And I was like, I've never seen it like that before, but I, I see what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me today. And I want you to hear what I feel like God shared with me that a lot of people have left their visions and dreams that God is giving them because of circumstances, because of pressure, because maybe something didn't work out the way they thought it would. They've been disappointed. And you need the Holy Spirit, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do that in this room today. He's going to resurrect old dreams and visions that are dead, but he's going to give you some new ones, and he can do that by his Spirit. Because we are spirit-filled people. And guess what? The Spirit of God is not just for tongues. And it's not just for healing. And it's not just for spiritual gifts. It's to give you visions and dreams of what God can do in your life. And that's what the Holy Spirit's for. Not just for those spiritual gifts, but the spiritual gift of being able to see what God wants to do in our life. 
And I believe in supernatural visions and dreams, but you got to realize this, not everybody's going to be Brother Hagen. Not everybody's going to be Pastor Nancy. Not everybody's going to be Dad. So if you're expecting Jesus to come up and eat five guys with you every day, you're going to be sadly disappointed. If you think angels are going to show up and, and talk to you while you're putting on your dress clothes like Dad, you're going to be sadly disappointed. But you got to realize when God talks about visions and dreams, he's not just talking about that stuff. And I believe in that stuff, but he's talking about God can give you God-given visions and dreams for your future about what he wants to do in your life, in your family, in your church, in your ministry. And that happens only by the Spirit of God. And God can do that. And I believe God's going to stir some things up in you this morning. He's going to resurrect some old things. And he's going to give you some new things. Are you with me this morning so far? I believe God can do that. But notice in this verse, because I know some of you are like, well, you're 35. You haven't figured it out yet. You know, you're too young to to know what life's really like. Because if you knew, you'd be old and bitter and cynical like me. (sighs) And sometimes when we preach about visions and dreams, you're like, well, that's a young person thing. That's not what the Bible says. Do you, let's bring the verse back up here. It says Acts 2.17. Can we bring it up? Acts 2.17. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. All people. All people. That, that means men and women. That means every race. That means young and old. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And notice, your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. He's not leaving anybody out. This is not a young person's message. This is not a young person's game. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will give visions and dreams to the young and the old by the Spirit of God. He will do that through his Spirit. And I believe we need that now more than ever in the church. We need young men and young women. We need old men and old women to live and lean into what God has for them, which is a new vision and a new dream. So to get into what God has for us, to live the life he has for us, we all have to have a vision, God-given vision and God-given dreams for our life. And they're all different in here. Now I wrote this down and this is part of the message I preached a while back, but I wrote this vision is God giving you direction for today. But a dream is God giving you hope for tomorrow. And we need both. How many know every day we need direction for our day? And that's God giving us a God-given vision. We, we don't need to just wake up every day and just wing it. Especially as ministers and preachers and pastors. We need to have a clear vision. And that clear vision that God gives us gives us direction for what we should do that day. But we can't just get stuck in the day-to-day stuff. Because then we dry up. Then we just get caught up in going through the motions. But God wants to give us dreams, which is hope for tomorrow. That we have plans in the future for our ministry, for our church, for our family, for what God can do in the future. And it's not uh, either or, it's both. And God needs to give us God-given visions and God-given dreams for our life. And he can do that, but he does it through his spirit. But with both of these visions and dreams that God gives us for our life... There's something implied in both of them. And with visions and dreams, both imply that you see something. You see something. Now, it's not talking about you see something with your natural eyes. You see it with your spiritual eyes. Or the Bible would say with the eyes of faith. 
So when God gives you by the Holy Spirit a God-given vision or dream, you can see the future that God has for you. You can see what God has for your ministry. You can see the church that God's calling you to build. You can see where your family should be in 10 years. You can see what God wants to do in your life through the eyes of faith. And God is giving you the ability to see through visions and dreams by his spirit. It's not something you see with these natural eyes, because if we look at the natural, we can get discouraged. So we have to see beyond that of what God wants us to do. And God will give you a vision and dream first on the inside before you ever see it on the outside. You have to see it in here first. What is in here first? Your spirit, the eyes of faith. And the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates your mind and your spirit so you can see God's, God's given vision for your life and God's dream for your life so that you can do what you're called to do. Are you with me so far today? But vision and dreams are the ability to see, not just with these eyes, but with the eyes of your spirit. I love this, or Roberts quote, he said, if you can see the invisible... God can do the impossible. If you can see the invisible, God can do the impossible. What is he saying? Seeing with the eyes of faith. Seeing visions and dreams that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. If you can see that, you can have that. God can do the impossible, but you got to see it first. Let's look at Proverbs 29 in verse 18 in the King James Version. First, many of you know this. It says, where there is no vision... Where there's no vision or dream, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he. And I love what the message, the way it says this. If people can't see, because vision and dreams are seeing what God wants you to see. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what is revealed, they are most blessed. Notice, if you can't see what God is doing, you stumble all over yourself. So, so many of us are stumbling over ourselves in ministry and pastoring and churches and what God wants for us because we haven't let the Holy Spirit let us see some things. Let us see a new dream, a new vision, or resurrect old dead ones that we had that we given up just because circumstances got hard or we got disappointed or we had a setback. God wants to give those to us, but we have to see it. Proverbs 29, 18 says, if we can't see what God is doing, we'll stumble all over ourselves. Now, why is it so important that we have God-given visions or dreams? Well, you guys are faith people. Three people. Let me try this again. You guys are faith people, right? Well, here's the thing about faith. And uh, I'm going to use this whiteboard a few times today. We need God-given dreams and visions that the Holy Spirit gives us because our faith needs a target. You're going to be impressed by this. Our faith needs a target. And so we're all faith people in here. And I know you would say, well, I got all the faith in the world. And, you know, I got the faith that, that, that has been developed in me. And I got this faith. But if you have no vision and dreams, your faith has nowhere to target. And so we, if we don't have anything that God's speaking to us and we're not seeing anymore, it doesn't matter. We could have tons and tons of faith laying around, but if it has nowhere to go, nothing's happening. 
And what I've seen in, in our church and in other churches and believers I know is if you ask them, well, what do you believe in God for? Because they're like, well, I'm a faith person. Well, I don't know. Well, guess what? You ain't going to get it. Uh, 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 what, do you, what do you see God doing in your life? Well, I don't know. Well, you're not going to get anything. I don't care how much faith you have because your faith has to have a target, which is the vision and dream that God has in your heart. It's not just shooting aimlessly and, and thinking that God's will will happen in your life. Your faith has to have a target. So the vision and dream that God has for your life will come to pass. That's why it's so important that the Holy Spirit gives you God-given visions and dreams. And if you let those slide, God can restore those, renew those, resurrect those, and give you new ones because your faith has to have a target. And faith is the way we receive from God. Faith is the way we get into God's blessing, we, the way we get into God's will, the way we please God. But faith has to have a target. We have to be able to see it. Now, we do live in the Midwest here, and it's hunting season. If you didn't know that, it's hunting season. Now, Amzie's responding because he shot a deer on Sunday night. So, Mr. Deer Slayer over there. But in the Midwest, it's hunting season. Guess what? If you go out in the woods and you just shoot, you ain't going to hit nothing. You might hit somebody on accident and get somebody hurt and go to prison. But if you just go out in the woods and like, well, and just wing it, which a lot of people are doing with their faith, you're never going to hit anything. That's why you need a God-given vision and dream for your life, for your church, for your family, for your ministry, so your faith has something to target. I want to tell you a statistic here. You're 100% guaranteed to not hit the target if there isn't one. Deep revelation. I realized that today. You're 100% guaranteed to not hit the target if you don't have a vision and dream. Now, I've seen people in our own church, but I've seen even other pastors do this a lot. But what's God doing in your church? It's kind of like the same old, same old. Well, no wonder nothing's happening. You ain't got no target. Where do you see your church going? I don't know. We're just trying to maintain. You can go hit nothing. What's God doing in your life? Where's your faith at? And if you don't have a response, then you need to get one. And let the Holy Spirit renew those God-given visions and dreams. Because your faith has to have a target. Now, why am I saying this? Because I don't want all of us to live the rest of our life saying we're faith people and then get to the end of our lives wondering why nothing happened because we never had a God-given vision or dream. So our faith never hit the target because we never had one. Am I preaching on this Wednesday morning? Your faith has to have a target, and it has to have something that it can reach out with the hand of faith and grab and bring into existence. Your faith has to have a target. So, still talking about visions and dreams, and I want to talk specifically about dreams the rest of this service. To dream is to see and imagine a new and different reality. To dream is to see and imagine a new and different reality. I love what one writer said, a dream is not what you see in your sleep, it's the thing that doesn't let you sleep. 
Just like last night, I had too much coffee and I was thinking about this morning's service. It did not let me sleep. But we need dreams like that. Now, why do we need that? Because your faith has to have something to work with. And that's hope. That's a dream. Let's turn to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Very familiar faith passage. Are you getting something so far? Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith. Now, we're faith people. Is the confidence that what we hope for, your dream that God put in your heart, will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Notice the first part again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for or the dream that God placed in our heart will actually happen. Now you realize hope in the Bible is not wishing and hoping. It's not hanging the dice on your mirror in your car. It's not a rabbit's foot. It's not like I sure wish God will do something for me. No, Hope in the Bible is confident expectation. And we have to have confident expectation for our faith to work with that. And that hope that God gives us is the dreams and visions that God puts in our heart. But they go hand in hand together. We have to have both. Now, I've heard it said like this. Faith is the builder, but hope is the blueprint. We have to have something for our faith to target and to, for it to build. And that's the dream that God places in all of our hearts. We have to have both. Not just the faith to build it, but hope has to have the blueprint. Because a lot of us have, have built our faith for year after year after year after year. You, you've, you've had faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing. You've worn out tapes. You've worn out commentaries. You've worn out study Bibles. But guess what? That's like you being a builder and coming to the construction site and you have all your materials lined up and everybody's ready to go and the builder says, okay, where's the blueprints? Oh, we didn't bring those. Well, I can't build anything until I see what it's supposed to look like. I can't do anything until I see what God has here. I can't move ahead until my faith has a target that I can reach out and receive. And your faith, even though it's a great builder, cannot be by itself. It has to have hope, which is the blueprint to see what God wants to do in your life. Are you with me this morning? And those are the dreams that God places in our heart. But let's read it in the Passion Translation, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. And becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's what faith is. But we need hope to work with faith. And that's your dream that God has placed in your heart. Now, when we're talking about dreams, I want to be very clear that I'm not talking about what I mentioned earlier. And some of us have probably preached this to our church, and then they're disappointed and discouraged. Like, we're talking about faith, and they, what, this is what they hear, because sometimes we preach it this way. It's like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can win the Super Bowl and be a Disney princess if you got enough faith. Just dream your dream for God, and nothing bad will ever happen for you. And you'll ride on the dust of pixies and fairies the rest of your life. And so we preach that in church and the people jump out and just do stuff. And it's like, no, God, 
I'm not talking about you just dreaming your own dream. I'm saying God has to have a God-given dream to work with. Because you can't have faith for something that God didn't tell you you're going to do. So that's not what I'm saying this morning. When I'm saying you need to dream a God dream and a God vision, I'm not saying you make it up and then have God co-sign it with you. <laughs> and let's be honest, sometimes we preach that to our church and then they get disappointed because God never told them to do that. And they're just like, well, you told me to dream. You told me to have faith for the impossible. No, on what God told you you could do. <laughs> the God-given vision and dream that the Holy Spirit put there, not that you put there. Because if you just think, well, if I just imagine it and, and I have a dream in my heart to do this and that, God will do it. No, not necessarily. It has to be something he gives you. But how do we know it's something he gave us? Well, I'm going to talk about that for a second. How do we know that it's a God-given dream? Well, before we go there, I want you to know that God's dream for your life is better than your dream for your life. <laughs> So many of us think are like, well, if I serve God, it's going to be a downer because I really had a better idea. No, it's not. God's vision and dream for your life is better than what you could put together, no matter how smart you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how much you thought your dream and vision was great, God's dream for your life is better than your dream for your life. And the sooner we agree with that, the sooner we can move in God's will instead of trying to do our own thing and have God like, okay, can you help me out? No, God's dream for your life, God's dream for your church, God's dream for your family, God's dream for your ministry is better than what you could think or imagine and put together yourself. But you got to trust that and have faith in it. So if he gives you a dream, just say yes. I receive that. If he gives you a new vision or a new idea, say, yes, I receive that because it's better than what you could dream for your own life. The good news about a God dream is he's the one who's going to help you accomplish it. If you do it by yourself, then you're up to yourself, which is you're not going to get too far. But if God gives you a God-given dream, he's saying, I'm going to help you accomplish this. I'm going to give you the strength to do it, the ability to do it. Uh, the spiritual ability, the mental ability. I'm going to give you the money to do it. I'm going to give you the people to do it. If I put that dream in your heart, I'm going to help you accomplish it. So how do we know it's a God dream? How do we know it's a God dream? Well, I wrote down a few things. The first thing is, if it's a God dream, you need God to move or it won't happen. God's never going to give you a dream that just you can do. Because why would you need him? You wouldn't. God's not going to tell you, here's his vision and dream for your life. Now, you could do it without me, no problem. No, then you wouldn't need him. If it's a God dream, it's going to be bigger than what you feel like you could do. It's going to be bigger than what you think you could have the ability to vision and dream up yourself. If it's from God. But the good news is he's going to help you accomplish it. But that's how we gauge it. If it's bigger than me, it's probably from God. Now, why does God give you a dream that's bigger than you? Well, first of all, it's because he needs to be involved in it, and he can help us accomplish it, but it's so he gets the glory. Are you going to help me, preachers, when it happens? Because if it was just you could do it, then you would get applauded when it happened. But if it's bigger than you, everybody knows it had to be God that did that. They weren't educated enough to do that. It had to be God that did that. How did they build the 
church that way. It had to be God that did that. How did they do that with their family? It had to be God that did that. How did they accomplish those things with their life? It had to be God that did that. So when God accomplishes it, he will get the glory and not you. That's how you know it's from God. But see, we want to do things ourselves so we get the credit for it. No, you want something so big that they're like, there ain't no way. Because I know them. They ain't no way they could do that. There is no way they could figure out that business. There's no way they could build that church. There's no way they could buy that. There's no way they could have that type of family. I know it had to be the Lord. <laughs> That's a God dream. It's bigger than you. So when it happens, he will get the glory. And is that what we want our life to be? Isn't it? We don't want to get the glory. We want him to get the glory. I'm trying to build a church right now that when it gets to the place it needs to get, I ain't getting no glory out of this. Because they're like, it had to be the Lord that built church on the rock. It had to be the Lord that made them become the way they are, to build the buildings they have, to have the people they have, to see the revival that happened. It wasn't Pastor Jordan. That had to be God that did that. That's a God dream. So if it's from God, it's got to be bigger than you. Here's another thing. If it's from God and it's a God dream, it's going to matter in eternity. Is your dream a temporal dream? I just want a new car, a new house. I want to preach at so-and-so's church. I mean, I, I guess that's okay. God will give you some of that stuff. But if it's from God, it will matter in eternity. Like even people that aren't in ministry, like God can give you a dream for your life, your business, your family. But why are you doing it? So I can be the multi-millionaire businessman at Church on the Rock? No, you want it because your money's going to matter in eternity because you sowed it into the kingdom. Why do you want to build the family you want to build just so you can be on Instagram? Oh my gosh, their fall pictures are so good. Now I hate people that are photogenic because I'm not photogenic. So I, I hate all the fall pictures and Christmas pictures and Easter pictures and because I don't look good in those pictures. But other families just look so beautiful. It's annoying. But why do you want to build a family like that? Or do you want to build a family like that so the other people in the town can say, listen, they know God. Their kids are on fire for God. I mean, look at the generations that love God. Look at, look at how good their relationships are. Look at how much they're involved in church. Look at how much they are in the community. They're a light. They're a salt in the earth. Look at their family, not their photogenic on Instagram. Now, little, you want to know a little funny side note? Okay, this was a conversation because we have uh, multiple photographers in our church, but one's named Brooke Bussey. She's a professional photographer. Like, she's very sought after for weddings, like every weekend for months and months and months, she's booked up. Professional. So she takes pictures a lot of times for our church. We had this conversation. It was me, dad, and mom. So she's looking, mom's looking, through all the pictures of dad and I that are on this drive that we can see all the pictures Brooke takes. Mom cannot find one picture. <laughs> now, we agree with her. She cannot find one picture she likes of dad or I. In all these pictures, 
And finally, I had to say to mom and dad, I'm like, listen, Brooke is a professional photographer. If she can't take a good picture of dad and I, it's not the photographer's fault. It's the person in the pictures looks. <laughs> Nothing like mama to humble us. He was like, oh, all these pictures, you guys look fat. You got a weird look on your face. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, mom. I'm already self-conscious about the way I look when I preach. So that's why I'm bitter towards people on Instagram who are so photogenic. I'm like, it's not her fault. She's a professional. It has to be her two targets of photography to have the issue. So if it's a God dream, it has to matter in eternity. You know, that's all that will matter. What we do for Christ in his church is all that will last. So if it's from God, it will matter in eternity. The next thing is, when you get it, it will help more than just you. Do all your dreams just revolve around you? Or do they revolve around helping other people? And I know some of you are saying, you know, what about the desires of your heart? What about what God wants to do? Well, that comes as a byproduct of seeking God. It's not the focus. The Bible says if we seek him first, all these things will be added. The desires of your heart will come, but it's not we're seeking after that. We're seeking to get God's dream for our life because it will help and bless other people. Judas nodded and said, amen, I appreciate you helping me today. A God dream will help more than just you. God fulfills a dream in your life because he's trying to help not just you, the people around you. What does the Bible say about Abraham? God blessed him so he could be a blessing. God heals your body not for you to sit at home and watch Netflix. He heals you so you can go out and help heal other people. You don't get delivered in a deliverance line and the de a demon cast out of you so you can just go back to your normal life. God delivers you so you can go deliver other people. He heals you so you can heal other people. He saves you so you can save other people. He helps you so you can help other people. He blesses you so you can bless other people. If it's a God dream. So if it's a God dream, when you get it, it's not going to be just you that gets blessed from it. Other people are going to get helped if it's really from God. You guys with me this morning? So once again, if it's a God dream, you need God for it to happen. It will matter in eternity. And when you get it, it will help more than just you. Now, I want to end with this part. And you know when I say I'm going to end means absolutely nothing. But I just wanted to. <laughs> You're all preachers, so you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I love Pastor Keith Moore. I listen to him all the time. And uh, I know you probably have heard this before. You probably heard this, Pastor Cody. He talks about Paul said, finally, brethren. And then he just kept writing more and more chapters. He did it himself. He's like, finally, brethren. Actually, I'm not done. I got more chapters to go. That's what all of us preachers do. But just to show you, I'm starting to kind of think about landing the plane. We're still talking about a God dream. 
And uh, I want to show you something else real quick here. And I'm going to talk about God helping you fulfill the God-given vision and dream for your life. And I want to talk about Joseph for a second before we close. Because on our way to get to where God has for us, you know, we're going to have to do all the things that we already know to do in here. We're going to have to believe it. We're going to have to see it with the eyes of faith. We're going to have to say it. We're going to have to work, put some actions to our faith. But through the life of Joseph, and I want to share a few things as we close, and I think those will help all of us, but especially the ministers. On our way to fulfilling God's dream and plan for our life, we have to pass two tests to get to where we're going. Now, in the life of Joseph, many of you know it, he started and God gave him a dream and a plan for his life and he told his brothers. And then, of course, he got thrown into uh, slavery, got thrown into a pit. And uh, then it went from there to Potiphar's house and then Potiphar's house to the prison, but then eventually to the palace and to the prime minister. So he started here and he got here. Now, the reason I want to talk about this and show you this for a second is because from where we're at now to the place that God has for us, the dreams and visions for our life, the road does not look like this. Now, now why am I saying this? I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying this to help you. Because if you think the road's just like this, you go give up right at the beginning. The reality is God's plan for our life does not look like this to this. It's not just up and to the right. Because if it was, everybody would be doing it. But this is what God's plan and dream for your life looks like. You ready for this? Now we're faith people, so hold, hold your pants up tight. Now I want to say this because I don't want to discourage you, but I wanted to let you know the reality so you don't give up in the times you are discouraged. Now, the reason it's not just a straight shoot from here to here, because it's not just between you and God. Because if it was, it would be from here to here. Beautiful. No opposition, no enemy, no challenges. But you got to realize we live in a world that's fallen and broken, and sinful, and we have an enemy that will do whatever he takes to stop us from getting to here, which is God's dream and vision for our life. So the road is not like from here to here, because we have opposition. We know that, and especially those of you in leadership, there's more opposition on you than just your average person. But anyone who wants to do God's will or God's dream, there will be opposition. There will be pushback. There will be pressure. There will be things to get you to give up and stop from here to here. Because the enemy doesn't want you to experience God's dream for your life. Because he knows it's not just going to affect you. It's all the people it will affect when it happens. So let me show you what it really looks like. You ready for this? Heavy revelation. Here's you starting out. You're in a service. Pastor Jordan just preached. You're like, yes, visions and dreams. You got downloaded. The Holy Spirit gave you some. And you're like, okay, we're going to be here by tomorrow. <laughs> not quite, not quite. 
this is what the road looks like to your dream. There we go. I, I don't mean to discourage you, but this is what the road to your God-given dream looks like. Because you got an enemy that wants to do everything he can to stop you to get here. You know, if you study great men and women of God, if you look at their life, there is opposition after opposition. Look at their life. I mean, there's death, there's divorce, there's buildings that burn down, there's issues with staff, there's church splits. Every great man and woman of God, why? Did that happen by accident? No, it happened on purpose. Because there's an enemy of their soul and there's opposition to stop them from fulfilling God's dream. And you will feel more of it the more position of leadership you have. And you will feel more of it the bigger God's dream is for your life because the enemy does not want it to come to pass. So he'll put every single thing he can to stop you from getting there. But here's the reality. The enemy can't stop you from getting here. Not done. But he can get you so discouraged you will stop you from getting here. Because he can't stop you. But what does he do? He puts enough things in your place to push back, to discourage you, opposition, bad attitudes, church splits, death, divorce, pain, tragedy, circumstance. He can't stop you but you can stop you. So this is what it looks like. But I want to talk about Joseph for a second as we close. And I wrote down, there's two tests that we have to pass to get to our God-given dream. Most of you ministers have already experienced this, but you probably will experience it again. The first one was the test of character. The test of character. How many know God's not going to give you this if you can't be faithful here. If you can't handle your money here, businessman, he's not going to make you a multi-billionaire. So don't put it on your voicemail. I'm a God-made billionaire. <laughs> Pay your bills first. Have some character. Then you'll get here. But let's start here, buddy. Well, I want to have a big church. But what does your internet history look like? Wrong church? Right church? Okay. Because he won't put you here if you won't have character here. The test of character. Now, what did Joseph go through? If you know Joseph's life, he told his brothers his dream and his vision. Now, that's a whole different message. you got to watch who you tell your dreams to. Because some will encourage you and some will throw you in a pit. <laughs> so you got to be careful who you talk to. That's why if I had something really important to say in a God-given vision or dream, I would call Pastor Cody, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Keith, Dad, Pastor Alvin, somebody. I ain't just talking to anybody at church. Because most of those people were like, Pastor, but why would we do that? You think we could really do that? Wrong person to talk to. I don't need to be put in a pit with you. <laughs> so he got sold into slavery. Then he got sold into Potiphar's house and Potiphar was a, a, a person in the government and he was a, a rich man, a wealthy man, had a lot of things and he went to Potiphar's house and he was Potiphar's servant. But all this time 
He knew God put the dream in his heart to be here. But he was staying faithful all the way through this. The ups and downs, the ins and the outs. And so he got to Potiphar's house, which was a man of prominence. And Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him. She said, ain't nobody else here. Nobody else will know. What did Joseph say? But God would know. Come on now, you here this morning. But God would know. How many know if he didn't pass the test with Potiphar's wife, God would never have made Joseph prime minister of Egypt. He never would have. He had to pass the test of character. And this morning, let me say to you, especially ministers and pastors, and I'm probably the youngest one amongst you. I know all of us have seen what has happened in the past few years in the body of Christ. Pastors, preachers, mega churches, whole denominations being taken down by no character. What should that do to all of us in here as pastors and leaders? It should not make you rejoice saying, I told you so about that church. You should not feel all high and mighty like, hey, well, the word and spirit, hey, we, we don't got any of those issues. That's just them. You know what it should do? It should take you to your knees. And it should put a godly fear and reverence in you to think, that could be me if I don't stay right with God. It should sober you up and make you sad and grieve that ministers, churches, and denominations have been hurt because that could have been us. And any time that happens, it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts the whole body of Christ. And here's another side note, because this is my church and I'll say what I want to say. I would say we all need to take a check in our spirit to realize when ministers and, and large churches or denominations fall, before we throw stones at those people, the pressure that they face compared to some of us in here is a hundred times what we experience. And it's so easy to judge like, well, if I was in that situation, I would you would have been taken out day one, buddy. Well, if I was in that situation, I could have handled it with a mega church like that. You don't know the spiritual pressure that that person felt. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right what they did. But you have no idea certain people in leadership all over the body of Christ, the pressure, the stress, the enemy's coming after him because he knows if he can get them, it will look bad on the whole body of Christ. Are you with me? But we got to pass the test of character. So when we have seen all these leaders and denominations and churches fall, we should not rejoice. We should never think uppity about ourselves. We should be sobered. The Bible says it could be you. Take heed lest you fall. That can happen to anybody. And it's not just for, oh, okay, well, they were 40 or 50. It could happen to a 70-year-old. Have an 80-year-old. Until you're in heaven, you're still running that race. You can get off anytime you want and mess the whole thing up. Many ministers have done it. They blew it at the last lap of their life. What did that do to the body of Christ? Am I saying too much? Okay. But if we want to reach our God-given dream and vision, God's not going to promote you if you don't have no character. Now, you could get promoted by yourself, but you ain't going to last because you got to have some character. We all should have character. And all of us could say in here, we need to all take a deeper look at our character. 
Because why? We're living in pressure-filled, stressful times where there's more pressure on us than ever before. The question is, what will we do when no one's looking? Will we do the right thing? Will we, will we be consistent and faithful? The Bible says that we're faithful over little, be faithful over much. If we'll do the right thing here, we'll do it here. And many people are like, well, I got a God-given dream and vision. Why isn't it coming to pass? Do you got any character? Do you got any character? But God needs to know that we'll pass that test. Now, that wasn't from God, that test. It was from the enemy. But God noticed it. And he took note of it. He did the right thing. So guess what? He's going to end up here because he has character. We need character to fulfill the God-given dream that God has for us. And last thing is, we got to pass the test of discouragement. Joe, could you come up and play? I asked Joe to come help me on the keys, and we'll have some ministry time. The test of discouragement. Man, if you read Joseph's life, you're just like, man, can this guy get a break? He told his brothers his dream. They threw him in a pit, tried to kill him. Then he got into slavery. Then he was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tried to sleep with him. Then he got sent to prison because he did the right thing. Now that would be the time that he wanted to give up. But he had to pass the test of discouragement to get to where God wanted him to be. He kept that dream in his heart. He kept that dream in his spirit to not give up when he was rejected to not give up when he was tired, to not give up when he was discouraged, to not give up when people shut the doors on him. He kept God's dream in his heart and he passed the test of discouragement. And we got to pass that test too. And really for most of us in here, I'd say probably discouragement's weighing on you more than character. Because the enemy can't stop you, but he can get you so discouraged, you will stop you by taking your hope. Why? Because if he's got your hope, your faith got nothing to work with anymore. You've lost your dream. You lost your hope. Doesn't matter how much faith you have, there's nothing for it to hold on to. There's nothing for it to target. And a lot of us have lost that. Even in the past few years, you've been discouraged because your church couldn't meet. Your finances went down. Half the people haven't come back. You're discouraged about what you're seeing in your community, your town, your city. You're discouraged about personal things that have happened in your life. But realize there's a plan from the enemy to target you, to get you to stop. Because he doesn't want you to get here. you got to pass the test of discouragement. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That means if you're believing God for something for a long time, you're just like, finally, you just get sick. You're like, I, I don't believe anymore. But that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Because if he's got your hope, he's got your faith and he's got your dream that he's put in your heart. So we don't need to let the enemy steal our hope because our faith needs something to work with. Now, I was thinking about this. Dr. Lester Summerall told a story about this. He came back from a mission trip and men of God like that that lasted the long term, they were constantly passing the test of character and discouragement. Lester Summerall, great man of faith, came back from a trip, had just built a multi-million dollar studio and TV 
uh, facility to house his TV ministry. And when he got back from a trip, they drove him there and it had burned to the ground. And the story about Dr. Summerall is this. When he got there, he got out of the car, multi-million dollar thing that they just built. It was a God dream. It burnt to the ground. He didn't say, well, I give up. He knew at that time in his life, oh, this is going to happen. Because the enemy doesn't want me to do anything, so he'll put everything in my life to stop me. But I love his response. It was very short, and he got right back in his car. He said, build it back. Got in his car and left. Let us have that same kind of hope and faith when discouragement hits us. Okay, it didn't work out of your church. Build it back. Something happened in my family. Build it back. Something happened in my marriage. Build it back. Something happened in our finances. Build it back. God's trying to, dis- to, to talk to me, and the enemy's trying to discourage me. Build it back. This tragedy happened. This pressure happened. We need to have a response like Dr. Sermon, which was a faith-filled response that said, build it back. Not that he didn't care. Not that he didn't feel it. Not that he didn't feel that in his emotions, but he said, hey, this is par for the course to get to the dream that God has for me. I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels. But what alternative do I have? Give up or build it back? Okay, the enemy destroyed it, but build it back. Because he's going to do everything he can to stop you before you get here. Let's look at Romans 4, talking about Abraham, the father of our faith. Verse 16, when God told him he was going to have a son. And it didn't seem like he was going to have a son. It says, so the promise is received by faith and it is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now hear this passage right here, talking about Abraham when he was discouraged. What did he do? This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed the God who brings the dead back to life. What about your dreams and visions? You let go. He brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping. That's a choice. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, he would see God's dream come to pass. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at a, hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb and Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise in fact his faith grew stronger and this brought glory to God and last verse and he was fully convinced that God is able come on do you hear me God is able to do whatever he promised God is able to do whatever he promised. He's able to do the dream in his life. And he had to decide right here when it's been years and years and years and he hasn't had that promised son that I believe God is still able to do it. And even though I don't feel like hoping, I'm going to keep on hoping. Even though I don't feel like believing, I'm going to keep on believing. Why? Because I'm going to pass these tests and get to the dream that God has for my life. Are you with me this morning? In my personal life, just to be real honest with you, I've always been a hopeful person and a faithful person. But about 
10 to 12 years ago, I started having a lot of physical issues. Then I started having a lot of mental issues. Then in the past three years, two major deaths, divorce, a lot of pain. And I know it's all strategic to get me to stop what I'm called to do. But all of you have situations like that yourself. Because the enemy wants you to give up your hope because you're the only one that can stop what God wants to do in your life. But I feel like God shared with me and I shared this with our church. I'm good at believing for our church, but those situations have stopped me from believing about me. Like I got all the hope in the world for church. I'm good, my faith's there. But because of those personal situations, I'm like, yeah, but... I don't really believe much about my life now. But God, I believe you can do it for Church on the Rock. I have no problem with that. But my life, I don't feel like I see a hope or a future in the way I want it to because how can it be that way now? Some of those people are gone until I see them in heaven. Some of those situations are done and I can't get back. And God said, well, I can't do anything for you in that area until you get your hope up. It's good that you got hope and faith for church. Awesome. What about you? Because God doesn't just care about our church. He cares about me. God doesn't just care about your ministry. He cares about you. And okay, we got all the faith in the world for our churches and our ministries, but God doesn't just want to do it in our church and ministry. He wants to do it for us. And realize where the attacks came and why they happened. Because the enemy wants you to get so discouraged, you stop you from getting here. You give up your hope. You say, my church can never grow. The best days of our church are behind us. Our ministry's not going to do this. My family's never going to be this. I'm never going to be happy again. I'm never going to be peaceful again. I'm never going to be joyful again. That's the enemy stopping you from getting here. So I preach this message to our church because I need these messages. And God said, until you change your hope in that situation in your personal life, I know it's hard, but just like Abraham, it says even though he had no reason to hope, he kept hoping. Even though he had no reason to get his host back up, God said, hope again, believe again. Because until you have that dream and hope in front of you, your faith can't target it and you can't receive the promises of God. If it's true for me, it's true for you guys. I know some of you have experienced that in your church. Some of you have experienced that personally. Some of you have experienced that in relationships. But I want you to know today, I want you to get your hopes back up. Not because I'm preaching hype, because I'm preaching the Bible. And God needs your hope to work with. But the good news is this, if we pass the test of character and discouragement, we'll get here if we don't give up. There's a pastor I heard say one time, stay with it. You know that pastor? He said, stay with it. What did he say? What's he saying? Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Why? Because you'll get here, but you got to go through here to get to where God has for you to go and fulfill the God-given dream and vision he has for your life. Can I read one more verse and encourage you? And I'll sit down. 
Psalm 126 in the message, and I believe this is for a lot of you in here, both personally and for your ministries. Talking about dreams, what does it say? In the message it says, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. Now, some of you are already counting yourself out of this verse, but God said, this could be you. We were the talk of all the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now God do it again. Come on, anybody believe that this morning? Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so that those planted their crops in despair will shout hoorays at the harvest. So those who went out, with a heavy heart will come home laughing with arm loads of blessing. Isn't that good this morning? Did you guys receive that today? Can we stand up and pray for a second? Thank you, Father. Father, we pray right now that the Holy Spirit, you would come and fill this room right now. Fill every heart, fill every mind. I believe that new visions and new dreams will be placed into our heart this morning. Father, we believe that old dead dreams and visions that we've let go or we've given up, we we put aside, that you would resurrect those in our life. You direct resurrect those in our hearts and our minds. That, Father, you're planting new dreams and visions, giving us a renewed hope right now from the front to the back. We believe it for these ministers. We believe it for their churches. We believe it for all that, that comes into contact with them, their, their people that go to their church, their staffs. Father, we thank you for renewing them today, refreshing them, strengthening them this morning, building them, them up in a new way, giving them a new hope for the future, a new strength for the future. And, and I pray, Father God, that you would speak to them right now, but continue the next several days. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us. Give us new dreams and visions. Resurrect old dead ones. Give us new things so our faith has something to target. Our faith has something to attach to. And Father, we believe you're going to do it. I believe that these people are encouraged today and exhorted today that we're leaving a different way from the way we came in this morning. And I thank you for your spirit renewing us and strengthening us today in our inner man, giving us a new vision and dream. I pray, Father God, some of us in here that have felt hopeless and alone, that, Father, that we would know right now, and we know your word says it, that we are not alone. You're with us, you're in us, and you're the God of all hope, and you're putting new hope on the inside of us today by your spirit. New dreams, new visions in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that today. Thank you, Father, for your spirit helping us, encouraging us, strengthening us today. 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.